Amen. Oh, let me see how I'm doing time-wise. Um, <clears throat> uh, really, the, the title for this message is something that's been going on in my heart, especially the last, I would say, four to six weeks. I've been getting a, a breakthrough in an area of my life, and as I was praying about it this morning, I really want that breakthrough for everyone. And whoever may have a similar um, mindset, a similar struggle that I've had over the years, I finally now feel breakthrough coming. I see attitudes and reactions changing inside of me. And it really all comes out of just the concept, the idea that we, as sons and daughters of God, are created to create, to be creative, to find solutions, to make a difference, to continue to know that we're in a war zone we're in a world that actually does have evil and chaos and sickness and challenges and to realize that we're not in the wrong place, but we were assigned to be here and to bring the presence of God, the kingdom of God, the ways of God through each and every one of us to bring transformation and hope <clears throat> to all that we encounter. And I have very... Very good news um, as I announce this. The good news is that trials are inevitable. Tribulations are part of our inheritance, and uh, there's no way around that. And so I know this sounds, yeah, I know. I know it sounds like good news, doesn't it? But uh, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13 uh, helps prepare our hearts for the reality of the life that we're going to face. Uh, and it says, First uh, Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. How is his glory revealed if we don't need his manifest presence? How is his glory revealed if we don't overcome a significant challenge? It made me think actually of the uh, 181st or 101st Airborne. Their nickname is the Screaming Eagles, and they're paratroopers. And so in war, they are actually most commonly dropped behind enemy lines. So from the minute they engage in their mission, they're already surrounded. They're already having people that are coming after them. And I don't know if in your life you have felt that way at times. Like, man, I'm in a war zone. I'm surrounded. Uh, their motto is, we stand alone together. And I kind of think that's very true for all of us. In many ways, we do individually stand alone just before the Lord all we have to do is turn our heart toward him, get our marching orders, get our assignment, know that when he breathes and speaks, he offers us for success, for overcoming whatever the challenge is before us, even when we're behind enemy lines. And yet, beautifully, each one of us individually do that, and we stand together as we walk with him through the circumstances of life. And so, 
um, I don't know what your struggles have been, but for me personally, when a challenge arises, I typically feel first frustrated. I feel some sense of shame at times that I didn't anticipate this. I could have prevented this problem if I was smarter, richer, tried harder. It was my job to prevent this. And, and I've blamed myself on many levels when there are challenges in front of me. And now there's been this funny shift. And this is the shift I want for all of us. When a challenge arises, whether it's self-inflicted or brought at the hand of a friend or of an enemy or a circumstance or a famine or a sickness, I actually am beginning to think, okay, something didn't go wrong. This is, my, this is life. This is a challenge. God has a creative plan. He has a solution. My only responsibility is to choose how do I respond to this situation and not assume that I know how it's always going to turn out or that I'm even responsible for the outcome. And I've used these words in the past, but when it changes in your heart, when instead of getting frustrated at others or turning shame on yourself for allowing a problem to occur, and all of a sudden you go, wait, whoa, there's an opportunity for God's creative power to be manifest and to bring a breakthrough and bring him glory and reveal him in these circumstances. So my first point is don't think something has gone wrong when there's a challenge. Something has actually gone right. And so John 16.33, this is Jesus speaking, and he said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He already knows the challenge, he already knows the tribulation. Before the foundations of the world were created, the Father already had it in his heart to send Christ to bring the answer and the hope and the solution and the empowerment that each of us need but it doesn't mean that he's taken away the tribulation. So it reminds me, by the way, part two of Luke 17, 1, where Jesus again is preparing the hearts of his disciples. And he said, and then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. So believe me, this is going to be redemptive. This, it, it sounds very backwards, but this is a very positive message. First off, there are tribulations and there's challenges and there's trials, fiery trials. Fire, you're in the flames. You feel the heat. And then, by the way, some of these trials come at the hand of friends and family and other people. And then your heart gets offended. And if you allow the poison of offense to come into your soul, your creative ability to stay connected to God is going to be hindered. There's no way around it. And so that's why Jesus is warning. By the way, tribulations are coming, and don't get offended even at the one who it comes through. That's my job. Woe to him, because he's going to have to deal, she's going to have to deal <clears throat> with the Lord's response on behalf of beloved sons and daughters. But we don't have to worry about that response in terms of confronting the other person or, or exposing the other person, it's hard enough for us to keep our own hearts right. 
when offenses do come. <clears throat> so I studied the word um, tribulation a little bit, and I, I thought it really brought some interesting light to this because I want to go have us all go deeper, and I want us all to go deeper in our hearts too. So tribulation, uh, the, the Greek word actually means to crush, to press, to compress, to squeeze, trouble, and affliction. All of those are used in different ways in different times in the Bible when it talks about tribulations. And the first one, to crush, <clears throat> made me think about Matthew 21, 44. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, talking about the cornerstone of Christ. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. And so um, there are a number of interpretations about this, but the heart of this message even is when a stumbling stone, a tribulation or a trial comes, you in that moment have a choice to either fall on Jesus on the rock, to go to him in your mind, in, you know, uh, in your ear, heart, in your attitude, in response. You either fall on Jesus <clears throat> or eventually the circumstances are just going to crush you. If, if you don't know how to turn your heart in a relational way into the Lord, into that moment, then you can be crushed. By the way, <clears throat> a couple of different commentaries talked about this, and I know we've all heard this before, you either fall on the rock or the rocks are going to fall on you. I don't know that that's necessarily, the, the, well, it's not the complete interpretation of this passage, because Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they knew it. He was talking to religious people, and he was saying that if you don't accept Christ, if you don't know how to turn to him in your day of trial, then you're going to trip over who Jesus is. You're going to stumble over him. And as the capstone, <clears throat> some of the commentators say, you know, if you're up uh, at the top of the building and you trip, you stumble at the capstone that's under your foot, you're going to fall over the, that roof and you're going to be broken into pieces. Uh, the other one is if, and I like this imagery, if Jesus is the capstone, but you're not really, uh, he's not secure in your life, and you just try to lean on him, but not really fully trust him, you're just going to lean on that, and if he's not secure in your life, then the capstone can fall, and whoever's down below is going to get hit in the head and crushed with that capstone. So that was kind of one interpretation of it. I, I was not even going to share that because it confused me a little bit, but the reality is, we have to turn to the Lord. We need to throw ourselves upon him. We need to make sure that we can lean on him. He is stable in our life. We're not going to trip over the, the humble aspect of Jesus' life. <clears throat> and we're not going to <clears throat> only try to, you know, lean on him a little bit, but it takes a complete surrender of falling <clears throat> on him to get what he has for you. Um, so, I looked a few other applications. There's the, the, the crushing part and the falling on the stone or the stone falling on you. John 16, 21, earlier in um, that passage where Jesus is teaching his disciples, he, he refers to um, another kind of tribulation and it's the travail or the anguish of childbirth. So that's another kind of tribulation. And what he says in that passage, I think is very interesting. Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's travail, there's that birthing process, but remember, he's birthing something good. 
And so once the mother has the baby, then the memory of the anguish passes away. And that's the way it is for us when we go through fiery trials and hard times and we do trust the Lord and the Lord births a new level of faith, a new level of authority in us when we see his wisdom overcoming our circumstances and we are rising above all of that, then the birthing of God's purpose in that circumstance actually, it's like the pain, the sacrifice, the anguish of those times all fades away very quickly and you receive the joy of what has been now born in your life. <clears throat> it does refer to circumstantial tribulations like famines and floods, COVID, you know, it, it talks about that kind of um, thing. And later on in the passage, by the way, of 1 Peter, let me, let me turn to it. <clears> 1 <throat> Peter 4, in this section, um, it talks about another kind of suffering, and it says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because of the spirit of glory and God, <coughs> and, the God, and God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief, an evildoer, or as a meddler. And so there are sufferings that we have that are even self-inflicted. And at first I was going to say, oh, we're not talking about that kind. No, we absolutely are. If you are a meddler, if you've been gossiping, if you've been lying, if you're, you know, I don't, I doubt that you're murdering, but maybe you're hating in your heart. And so you're causing fiery trials that are even brought on because of your own uh, sin, your own evil behavior. The solution is still the same. You fall on the rock. You go, you admit it. You say, Lord, let me look to you for the, now, how do I need to respond to my own stupidity that created these circumstances and so there are those circumstances that you overcome. Uh, but then there are other types of circumstances, and I think in our passage, primarily what it's referring to is the kind of trial that you face because of your faith. When, because you are sold out, devoted to Jesus, you're making decisions that don't make sense to the natural mind, to the common man, that's contrary to what most people are used to, especially in the first century, Many, many believers, because of their confession of faith, because of their devotion to Christ, they <clears throat> faced huge um, trials and rejection and loss of property and freedoms. And when you are suffering that way, you fall on the rock. You also just turn your heart toward the Lord. And the Lord, the amazing thing is, whether they are circumstantial whether they're self-inflicted or whether they're even because of persecution, because you're actually walking in your faith. Either way, God can get the glory out of it. It's not either or. He, it's not just that he only solves the ones that are because you're operating in your faith. He's the answer to all of those kinds of tribulations. So I, I, this is a beautiful area of growth, of healing. I want to pray a prayer for everyone who wants to learn how to not lose their mind in challenging circumstances. And when Lori is scheduled to preach, she often goes through a very challenging week. And ironically, the challenges have a lot to do with what's been on her heart. She begins to have to try to live it. And uh, uh, that doesn't happen, thank God, as much to me 
usually, uh, but this week it did. So um, my uh, youngest son uh, talked to me a few months ago. I was like, hey, Dad, I, I would really like to spend more time together. Can we please learn to go fishing, do salmon fishing this season? And, and I said yes. And then because of COVID, the salmon season was radically affected and altered. Um, so fall salmon season is coming. So I found out where my sailboat is moored happens to be one of the better fishing grounds in the area, just above the 205 bridge. And so I literally can go five minutes out of the harbor and um, set an anchor and then fish. And you can just throw a line out and the lure does all the work and you can drink coffee and you can talk and eat hard boiled eggs and beef jerky and just have a good time. And so I've been so looking forward to spending time with my son that uh, even to, to prepare, so we, I knew we would have a good time. I took uh, my other friend, Robert, on Friday, and he was my practice um, dummy. And so I, I went out so I could set the anchor, learn how to do it, and be comfortable, and we sat and had a really good time. Everything worked fine. And I went, perfect, now I know how to do this, so I'm really gonna have a good time with my son. And we went yesterday in the afternoon, and I'm happy to see him. We've got our poles ready. We've got our licenses. We leave the harbor, and then I set the anchor just the way I did the day before, and yesterday, the west winds came up very strong. And so, uh, you know, the current pushes me toward the west, and then when the winds start to blow from the west, it pushed the boat up above the anchor and above the anchor line and then my anchor line got twisted in the keel of the boat. So my boat has a four-foot uh, iron keel that goes underwater, and when the anchor line got wrapped around it, now our boat was getting pushed sideways by the current, and my son almost got pulled overboard. I didn't really describe all this to Lori at the time because he was hanging on to the anchor line, and there was so much force that he was trying to hold on, but the line was slipping through his hands, and he had a, a pole even. He's like, Dad, I can't keep holding on. And so it was stressful. It was a disaster. It was not what I had hoped for. And I tried def different procedures. I tried all kinds of different things. But by the time you're stuck like that, uh, it, was, it was just very challenging. We finally, the, the only solution we had was hey, we had to let go. So I just let the anchor line go. I had a ball that was holding the line up on top of the water. And then we just started drifting downstream. And uh, I had to turn the motor on and go and try to retrieve the anchor line and reset everything. By the time I was done, I was so rattled and so shaken that I, I decided, let's just go back into the harbor and kind of let Will fish another day. And, uh, and he was so good. He stayed so clear and so calm. And, and I was able to stay clear and work through the problems. I mean, it didn't just like fall apart, but... When I got there, I was so disappointed that I didn't have that great conversation with my son. We didn't get to fish. Uh, I got rattled. Uh, but we did finally, you know, get a solution. We got back into the harbor. And you know what? The, the chest pounding and the self-abuse, the self-recriminations. Oh, if I had just known better, if I had done better, if there was some other way I could have done it. I mean, I started just having not a pity party. It was more like a beating myself up kind of fest because my circumstances didn't turn out the way that I had prepared and planned and hoped. And so as much as I'm saying we're created to create and find solutions, 
in that moment, <clears throat> a couple of things became very clear that are relevant for this message. Uh, his comment when we got into the harbor is like, Dad, that was so fun. I'm like, were you on the same boat? You know, you almost got pulled into the river. Huh? What? But he's wanting life experiences. He's wanting to learn new things. He's wanting to learn to fish. He's wanting to learn about sailing. So for him, it was like, wow, this, and we did it together, Dad. And then he made this funny comment, and he said, you know, uh, he, he's an RN, and he works in a lot of situations where people are very stressed. And he said, you know, Dad, the majority of people, when they get into a challenging situation, a trial like that, their mind scrambles, and they kind of shut down, and they don't know how to process. They don't know how to keep thinking things through clearly. You know, we do have that reptilian part of our brain that is the reactive part of the brain that's fight or flight and just survival and and when you move into that, you move out of the prefrontal cortex of your brain where you can reason and analyze and uh, strategize and you know, respond uh, intentionally instead of reacting. And, and he said, so dad, even no matter how bad it got and all the different things that happened, he said, you kept working it, you stayed clear, you thought about different approaches and you did this and you did that. He said, you know, actually you, you did pretty good. And it's sad when your child is the one who needs to try to parent you. Um, and, but it was, he, was, he could tell that I was really beating myself up. And so, first off, don't think I'm fully lived. I thought I had arrived. It's like, oh good, I'm finally learning the lesson. When trials happen, it's not that I did something wrong or that I'm being punished or, you know, I, I, I could have done better or whatever. Um, I, I'd like to say that I made progress, but yesterday kind of proved there's still room to go <coughs> uh, in, in that situation because in my case, it, I blame myself still for unexpected trials and challenges, and I want to give that up. I want to quit my ego trip of thinking some things are self-inflicted, some things are circumstantial, some things are even divinely appointed, you know, and, and we're created to look for the solution. It's God's glory to conceal a matter, and it's our glory to search it out, but we search it out in Him. Uh, last week, I shared uh, James 1.5, and I love that verse, that if any lack wisdom, they need only ask. I believe that with my whole heart, and, you know, in the midst of a crisis, you can either <clears throat> panic, or you can say, Lord, you have wisdom available for me, for this situation, for right now, and what have you done when you begin to turn your heart and your thought toward God, toward what he's doing, toward his wisdom for dealing with a situation, you're moving now into that other part of your brain where you're not just a reactive lizard, you're not just trying to survive, but you're actually trying to now leverage your circumstance into a situation that's going to bring improvement for people it affects and glory to God and improvement in your own life. <clears throat> there's a process for staying clear. And so part of my understanding now and my conviction now, if we're created to create fear, anxiety, and shame, stifle your capacity to come up with creative responses. I shared this last week, so I won't emphasize it too much, but Bill Johnson talks about the wisdom of God and the three elements of it. The wisdom of God, when you're getting a God idea to react to your circumstances, first, it'll have integrity. It'll be honest. It'll be straightforward. It won't be, you know, cutting any 
corners. It's not going to be deceptive. There's not going to be, it's not going to be selfish. It's just, it's going to have a, a solid integrity and a truth and a righteousness about it. It's also going to be highly creative. And so how do you move in your thinking to that place where you still can be creative and not reacting to fear or shame or anxiety that's the battle line, I believe, right there. You've got to be able to think outside of your circumstance and your box. And that happens when you turn your heart toward the Lord and you throw yourself on that rock. Um, and then the other part is there's always going to be excellence. It, it's not half-hearted. It's not sloppy. It's not just good enough for now. Honestly, when I find the solution that God has for me for my circumstances, it doesn't just solve it for a day. It often takes care of it and heals it <clears throat> and then you move on and you don't have to deal with it again there's it's done with such excellence that other people can go whoa that is not just human uh, wisdom that's not just human ability going on there by the way um, common sense just always reacting to your circumstances with common sense can often just be self-reliance it's you responding out of your own abilities your past experiences we don't need common sense. We need supernatural sense. What is God actually doing here? What is, and Jesus faced a trial in his life. A dear friend of his, Lazarus, had passed away. And then he had to turn his heart toward his father and deal with this grief and this pain and you know whatever was going on and the people all around him. And so in response to a fiery trial of the death of a close friend, uh, in John 11, 41 and 42, it says, so they took away the stone, the stone that was covering Lazarus's tomb, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He knew the Father was listening. He knew the Father would answer the cry of a son. He had utter confidence in the fact that his father was present. And we have that same opportunity. We, have, we need that same awareness. Um, Lori is going to speak sometime in the next week or two or whenever, but the cry of her heart has been very interesting. There are times where we have faith We've stayed peaceful. We're in a creative place. We get our marching orders from God. God answers your prayer. You go out and you do it. You see the breakthrough. Hallelujah. I love being able to stay calm. But there are other times where you still blow it. You're overwhelmed by your circumstances. And you're fretting and you're scared and you're you know, uh, embarrassed or whatever you are. And you know what? Even then your father hears your heart. He even then, those attitudes of your heart are still a prayer that go up that he can respond to and so she will expand on it more i'm sure but there are times lately where she hasn't known how to pray there are times where she's overwhelmed and then god answers that desperate need because of his extravagant love for her and for all of us so there's jesus with this need his friend is dead father he first acknowledges thank you that you've heard me i knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around. 
that they may believe you sent me. So Jesus, in asking for the resurrection of his friend, knew the Father was listening, but then he said it, that I know, Father, you're listening, for the sake of everybody else to know, this is how I live. I know my Father hears my heart. He hears my cry. He answers my prayer. And so now I'm going to entrust this circumstance of the death of my friend into my Father's care, and he has the power to even bring life from death. Who? That's throwing yourself on the rock. Jesus knew how to throw himself on his Father's love and presence and purposes for every situation. He could see what the Father was doing. And Jesus lives right inside of us, and we have the same relationship. He's interceding on our behalf before the Father, who is still listening to every situation that affects us. And so, I don't know if I've laid this out very effectively, but I do want to say one last thing. Trials are coming. Tribulation is the natural state of the world that we live in. It's easy, it's natural to get offended, but if you don't learn how to forgive and release offense, you're going to be crippled. But walking with Jesus through every situation in our life, there is always, always an answer in him. There is always an ability to rise above your circumstance and turn your heart toward the Lord. And whether you're calm or even sometimes if you're panicky, if you're connected to him, he's going to be able to hear your prayer. He sees your need. Your dependence is completely and utterly, totally upon him to not just live in a natural world, but a supernatural world of wisdom, of anointing, of life-giving power, of releasing the kingdom of God in the middle of your circumstances. And you will never face a situation where you are a powerless victim. You always have a choice to trust or to panic. You have a choice to believe or to doubt. You have a choice to rely upon the relationship that you have with him and his voice or to just keep working it out in your own soulish strength and soulish understanding. So I just want to encourage you um, if you're like me, don't right away think something's gone wrong when there's a challenge. Just know it's an assignment and God has an upgrade for you. That the bigger the challenge, the greater the glory. That the Lord is going to meet you in that place because you are a screaming eagle. You have a prophetic voice to be able to uh, uh, overcome your circumstances. So Father, I just thank you today that we are in trying times we're in challenging circumstances and lord i go back and forth and blaming myself and trying to work it all out myself but i so want to learn to fall on you in those moments and to draw the wisdom that you give generously to all of us without even finding fault to stay clear in the midst of a trial and lord to release offense at those who even may be associated with that trial I just pray for um, my anxiety, my shame, my fear to go, for me to stay clear, 
and to know, Father, that you're always with me, that you always hear, and just like Jesus, you always respond to the cry of my heart. I thank you for all of this. I speak healing in Jesus' name for all of us to trust you in the midst of uh, chaos, to trust you in the midst of our circumstances. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.